hate and hate to love and we're your hosts shelby and matt yes back to talk about more marvel because there's never never a dull moment although i realized that somehow we side stepped guardians of the galaxy 3 and i just never saw that movie like i think that's the first marvel movie in like i don't know eight years or whatever that i haven't seen because usually we would watch them for the podcast and i was like i I didn't have to see that for work, oh, and so I didn't drama. see it because of you. So, yeah. well, that's interesting. I mean, that was like the last successful, the most successful recent thing Marvel's done, which is ironic given it's the last of a trilogy. Mm, James, but Dunn it wasn't is as successful as people as it should have been. I think. Oh yeah, like yeah, it yeah. was successful, but it didn't. In fate, I. I was doing research on this because I wrote a review on the Marvels for work. It's because you're a huge fan, yeah. Because, yes, I love it. And I love Marvel in all its forms. And during phase three, they had a ton of movies that crossed the billion dollar line. And since Avengers Endgame, I think the only movie that's made over a billion dollars is um, the Spider-Man movie. The um, oh, interesting. The, oh, I mean, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Far, far, no one, no one's home. Far from, far no from one's home. home. Go, going far, home again. Going home. Homecoming. Home, home where home is where the heart is. Yeah. Yes. Homeward uh-huh. bound. Homeward featuring Spider Man. <laughs> featuring Spider Man. Yes, whichever the home billion dollars. Uh, yeah. No way home. No way home. Or is that the second one? Uh, whatever one is with Homecoming. all three of the Spider-Men. That's the th- three homes for Spider-Man Away made home, made a ton home. of money. Yeah, yeah. It Look, did. I yeah. I I can't tell you which one home. is which. It's not. There's there's the first one. Then there's Homecoming. Jake Gyllenhaal, and then there's and then there's the triple Spider-Man. Three homes. Yes. Um. Yeah, no, uh, Marvel is in an interesting funk. I The Variety did this, like, I guess I wouldn't call it a hit piece, but sort of a, a well-researched, interesting look at the downturn in Marvel's success rate and sort of like the cause and the the blame and the worries and the hopes, um, which I read and found interesting. It's not necessarily surprising. I think um, a lot of it comes from, it's sort of a two-pronged issue. One is the VX teams are overworked. There's too much content happening all at once and the VX can't keep up with it. So it looks cheaper. It looks worse. It looks bad. And so you don't get as, it's not seen as like a polished product, which was part of the charm or the draw of the early Marvel phases is like, wow, this means quality. This means like, you know, regardless of Martin Scorsese's feelings on it, it was powerful uh cinema for what it was you know it's like yeah they have the money they put the money in and it pays off um 
But now you have your TV shows, you have your movies, you have so much content happening that is constantly moving. And so they're not given the time to really make it work. And on top of that, they say like, oh, fix it in post. And so the there's like this lack of storyboarding happening and your usual um, ways of making TV shows and waking, making movies with a clear script, a writing team, a room, you know, like a showrunner. And now it like all falls back to Kevin Feige and he is usually the one to come in, clean up messes, be like, no, this, 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 this. But now he's spread too thin. Things are falling through. And he is kind of like in his quest to be the singular man is really choking out any sort of creatives who are coming in and trying to put their spin on stuff. Um, And so you have things like She-Hulk where an entire episode was reworked and moved to the beginning and thus undoing like all the script work that had been done for the preceding episodes. And so it's like, what do they want? (laughs) Like, what do they think is going to happen when all of this stuff is sort of happening in the background and they're not really paying attention to story in the way that matters for these individual projects and in a way that's falling apart on the big picture scheme because now you have Jonathan Majors who's being um, probably rewritten or recast um it's a huge mess and then people don't even respond to the kong story so it's like well do we even want this to be the villain and now they're talking about like oh well maybe we need to bring back the originals in a new avengers movie and it's like well that just sounds like a you know the the worst is that like that's just that would just be pathetic it'd be like wow you really can't let go of this and so there was a lot of like over analyzing of marvel content a lot of hate for Marvel content. And that's what the Marvels walked into. Yeah. The Marvels really arrived. I think at the worst possible moment for a Marvel movie, it did terribly at the box office. It's the worst box office debut of an MCU movie ever, I believe. Um, And yeah, the, I think a lot of it has to do with, yeah, poor quality and poor writing you know originally there was one marvel movie a year or a couple you know and and they were for the most part pretty well done um where now there's so many i think the creation of disney plus obviously they have to have content for that so they're making extra stuff they're making these tv shows in order to try to get people to watch the tv shows they're tying them into the movies but i think what that ultimately has led to is less of oh, everybody loves Avengers Endgame, so they're all going to go watch She-Hulk and we're going to get all of these subscribers. And more of like, oh, actually, we don't want to watch She-Hulk. And then now, eh, maybe we won't watch some of the Marvel movies when they're in theaters either because it's confusing and we don't have all of the different plot points and characters show up. There's just like a lot of fatigue. And I think we saw something similar with Star Wars as well, where like, I think that Disney didn't quite realize that like these brands are are not indestructible like just because somebody really liked one thing you did with this brand doesn't mean that it you can do whatever you want and that you will keep that fan base and like with star wars 
Um, you know, they made these movies. They didn't go great. They've made these TV shows, which I feel like have had middling success. And so they've had to really like pull, pump the brakes and stop and try to be like, okay, let's maybe take a beat and recalibrate. We haven't really gotten that much Star Wars stuff in a while. Um, where Marvel, well, there were some Disney shows. Yes, no, no movies or no movies. movies, and some of the movies that had been in plans they canceled, yeah. um, and even some of the TV shows I think that they were going to do they pulled back on. But but one of the things that they've done over and over again in Star Wars is rely on the legacy people. So even with you know Boba. Even with like um, the Mandalorian, which is its own thing, they're bringing in Luke Skywalker. They're bringing in characters from the original who pe- they know people like, and so I yeah. can see them maybe trying to use that playbook again with Marvel and bring back some of these people. Like, oh, maybe if we just had Iron Man in here, people would want to watch this. But the problem is that there's just way too much Marvel stuff. Like, yeah, if you and I, who are fairly pop culture savvy people who watch a lot of stuff who are online are not up with this and are not able to pick up on things like then that means that really the only people who are paying attention are the like super geeks and yes that's a great audience and a fairly sizable one but it's not the audience that's getting you two billion dollars in the box office like you did with endgame like that requires a lot of normies and like people have not watched she hulk and the moon knight and Ms. Marvel, you know, there's just way mm. too many of these TV shows, and then also way too many movies that have done poorly recently between Thor Love and Thunder and Doctor Strange across the strange universe, <laughs> or whatever. You know, it's like Quantum Mania. Yeah, Quantum Mania. There's been these Marvel movies that just haven't quite landed either and haven't done well in the box office, haven't done well with critics. And I think that has all just led to a point where when the Marvels comes out, everyone's already tired. The Marvels is a spinoff. It's taking characters from three different sort of sections of the Marvel Universe, which like, yes, a lo- most people I think have seen Captain Marvel, but I think that a lot of people did not watch Ms. Marvel, which was just on Disney+. Plus. And then the third character, who doesn't even have a superhero name, um, Monica Rambeau, is a character who was last seen in the WandaVision TV show, but like wasn't the main character of that. She's the daughter of the girl, of the best friend from Captain Marvel. So it's just like a lot of pieces sort of coming together um, in a way that I think is confusing. And people are like, well, I didn't watch Ms. Marvel, so like I'm probably not going to know what's going on, so maybe I don't need to watch this. Um, And then on top of that, as we saw with, when Captain Marvel came out originally, I think there is still a ton of sexism in the, (laughs) you know, comic book Marvel space. And so if people are already experiencing Marvel fatigue, watching the Marvel movie about three girls is not going to necessarily make the most money, I think, Um, because you have all these people who are like, I'm not going to watch this. Yeah. No, that's the worst part of the... Um, fandom and this like movie culture because you and I we didn't like Miss Captain Marvel that much or you liked I it. I sort of liked you it. You liked it. Yeah. I had my problems with the story and like Brie Larson's performance but 
yeah, the the hate and the vitriol was just on another level. On top of that, Marvel tends to be also pretty racist. And so the idea of having this, what is this B character? Oh, it's so woke. Like now we have this black woman. Like what's this? Blah. And I just like can't. And then on top of it, Ms. Marvel, um, uh, an Indian American, it's like, oh my gosh, the woke police got this one. It's really annoying. It's really annoying. Um, it's, it turns off people from even engaging with the Marvel universe. Like, it's like, however you cut it, it's just like, this is so exhausting. (laughs) And so it is like a frustrating experience. Um, this was also directed by a black woman, Nia Costa, um, who Who did Candyman, who did Candyman. And so this is like one of her first big, big films and everyone's like what is she doing like whatever like it's just annoying the way people talk about it and you can't have like an interesting dialogue about the film's pros and cons because you're so swept up in this sort of conversation you don't want to be associated with um but yeah the marvels is one that i didn't really see a lot of promo for until this summer and then there was a lot But I was excited for it because I love women, (laughs) but I also loved Ms. Marvel. I thought that was such a cute show, a really fun character. And so I was excited to see her kind of hold her own with Brie Larson, especially. Um, And so I went into it pretty like hopeful. Like I would say I definitely burnt out. I, I feel like I've been kind of underwhelmed by almost every single thing since Shang-Chi or Spider-Man, I guess. Um, Because I like Spider-Man, the far from homely (laughs) crew. Um, Far from homely. That's my my memoir. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so like I, I felt like I knew the bar would be pretty low and that this would just this would be as watchable as Quantumanium. Like that was how I felt. But I was surprised. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would, um, even if it wasn't necessarily the greatest movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I really liked this. Um, I wasn't, I I guess going into it, I didn't necessarily have a ton of expectations either way. I've also disliked the last couple Marvel movies. I'm not a big Marvel fan in general. I really liked the fact that this was short. It's only what, like an hour and 40 minutes or something like that. Like it's crazy how short this is in comparison to, (laughs) yeah, some of these Marvel movies that are like two and a half hours, three hours that you just feel that runtime. And audience was like over three hours. And, and this just like zipped along, like it moved so quick. And I think that, the thing I was worried about most and the thing that has been frustrating in some of these past Marvel movies, like with the Quantumania, is that you're, there's just so much going on in its connections to other things. It doesn't even feel like it's really doing its own story. It's just mostly like a connection piece of like bringing these different characters from these different plot lines together and the yeah. multiverse and blah, 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 blah. Where this, like, yes, it is pulling these women from three different 
plot lines together, but it really does that within like five minutes and sort of gives you the most bare bones backstory that you need on them. But aside from that, like does not bother with the backstories of these characters at all in a way that I think is really nice. It's like, here are these three characters. Sure, there's some backstory. You can figure that out if you want to. Uh, And now we're going to get into this mission, which involves this uh, bad guy going from planet to planet, stealing resources, and our three heroes, every time they use their powers at the same time, swap places. So they're sort of like bumping around space and, uh, you know, as they keep teleporting into where the other person is. And... It's just such a simple premise and it moves quickly. There's some like really fun fight scenes. There's some really, I think, inventive sequences in it. And then it kind of wraps up nicely and we're on our way. It yeah. it was such a like straightforward plot. But then within that straightforward plot, they really found a lot of ways to make it fun and interesting. I thought that the banter was really good. There was sort of like no wasted space in the movie. It felt really efficient um, with the jokes and how those were played. And like another thing that I feel like I was thinking a lot about after watching like the Fast and the Furious movie this summer <laughs> and the um, Mission Impossible movie is You're just like, like it's going to take place in Rome. <laughs> Well, yes, that too. I was like ready for them to go down the staircase <laughs> in a giant ball. But no, just like maybe we don't need uh, and John Wick. Maybe like this fight scene doesn't need to be 20 minutes. Like maybe yeah. more of like longer fight scene doesn't always mean better fight scene. And I think with this, they did a really nice job of like giving you an action sequence. But it's like five minutes long and then we're on to whatever the next thing is. It's not like these action sequences that just go on for 20, 30 minutes. Like everything in this moved at a good clip. And I felt like whoever sort of edited the script or edited the movie or what, like just did a really nice job of making sure that the stuff you needed was there, but then not giving you extra stuff, um, which is not Marvel's strong suit. (laughs) And yeah, I felt like this was, I mean, granted the bar is low because most of the stuff recently has been bad, but yeah, Yeah. I think like since the Shang-Chi Spider-Man, this is easily the best marvel movie in my opinion yeah i guess i haven't seen guardians of the galaxy 3 so i can't no i speak agree. to that but i i think you know the thing like the thing that you're famous for eventually becomes sort of an albatross that you can't um claw your way out of and that's like the humor for marvel movies i think you know iron man set the tone and you had so much quippy like bright fun things happening from Guardians to eventually Thor Ragnarok and all the in-game whatever. Um, But you saw that tried to be replicated through movies like Quantumania where it's like, you know, the humor is pretty generic. It's not interesting. It doesn't add anything to the characters. It's just a punchline, basically. Um, Spider-Man's able to like toe that line better, but things like I can't even remember what came out. Like they just start to feel a little bit like mad Gabby. Um, but this movie, I don't know if it was just having the shortened time frame or length. I mean, but something about it felt much more like realistic in its humor. Um, even comparing it to Captain Marvel, which was very much like trying to do this like buddy cop routine with um 
uh, Nick Fury. Nick Fury. And like everything kind of felt canned in a way or sometimes forced maybe or drawn out. But this was like, it was fun to see the characters play together. And it wasn't like what I expected could have been the easiest, which is obviously you have Ms. Marvel, who is a Captain Marvel stan. Like that's a huge part of her character. And so, like, she gets to introduce herself through this cute little, like, comic book routine about how she wants to be BFFs with Captain Marvel. And I was worried they'd do the, like, same shtick they have with Tony and Spider-Man where he's sort of like this tough, you know, father figure or even, like, Doctor Strange who's always, like, so buttoned up and, like, why are you here? (laughs) But I like that they made Captain Marvel a little more relaxed and like honestly found it endearing to have this sort of fangirl around um, to kind of soften her tendencies towards going it alone. And similarly, like um, Monica Rambeau's character having that tense background with Captain Marvel, I thought allowed them to have an interesting dynamic too. And so it felt a little bit more like relaxed than we've gotten, not only in the stakes where it wasn't like, oh my gosh, the whole world's going to, the whole universe is going to explode unless we stop this. It was really more like low key for what you have come to expect with Marvel is how I felt at least. (laughs) Well, I, I think it really speaks to like, if you have a good script in or a good like storyboard if something's plotted well that then a lot of the humor sort of writes itself because i think one of the problems with marvel is that they're that they often try to shoehorn jokes in you know it's like a fight scene and we're just trying to get these quips in there where with this because of the setup of oh you have captain you have ms marvel's obsessed with captain marvel and is this fangirl like that creates a a relationship where there can be a lot of different funny interactions that aren't like what we normally see in Marvel movies or that we haven't seen before. So I think all of that stuff worked really well. And then also because of that, you're bringing Ms. Marvel's family Mm -hmm. who are just these like normal everyday people out into outer space. And so then all of their interactions with Nick Fury and that whole plot line is also like just naturally funny because you have these fish out of water dynamics going on. And I think that worked sort of the opposite way, not, not in being funny, but just in having a lot of emotion with the Captain Marvel Monica relationship where there's so much like sort of weight that's there just naturally that then the scenes between them have all of this gravitas that you don't necessarily, that they don't have to like, put in the script or try to write into the script it's just there because of the situation and so and then that gives them because those relationships are carrying the movie then they can come up with these set pieces that are fun and interesting that don't necessarily have to do all the heavy lifting so that they can be a little bit like lighter and more goofy because it you know the the relationships are already there doing a lot of that work yeah. Did you see Miss Marvel? I don't remember. I watched like the first half of it. Yeah. So yeah. I knew her character and I yeah. knew the vibe and I really liked her a lot. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't watched the full thing. And I had watched WandaVision, so I also knew that character um yeah. as well. 
which yeah. was nice. Well, also, I think all th- everybody in this movie is a really good actor, too. You know, it's like yeah. Brie Larson obviously has an Oscar, but Tiana Paris is incredible. I really like the girl who plays Ms. Marvel. Like, she has so Come much charm and so much yeah. uh, charisma and humor. I mean, yeah. I think that the Nick Fury character is often sort of just like off on the sidelines doing (laughs) nothing in these movies. And he was sort of a main character in the original Captain Marvel. And he's kind of back as a main character now. And I think he is fun to watch, especially in some of the pairings that they give him. So I was like, this is Miss Marvel's family is also like, Oh yeah. Fun. And I like the villain. Whoever Zawe Ashton, I hadn't ever (laughs) seen her in anything before, but um, yeah, Nepo but I thought baby. she did a good job. Well, <laughs> Nepo fiance. <laughs> oh, wait, who? She's engaged to um, Tom Hiddleston. Isn't that funny? What? I go. Oh, Tom Hiddleston. I was like, I thought Tom, Ho- I thought he was dating Zendaya. Oh. But no, that's Tom Holland. <laughs> no, oh, Loki. this is Tom Hiddleston's. Yeah, the villain. Interesting. So, I, I so, mean, I don't know. So Taylor Swift could have had yeah. this role, sliding doors in a different yeah, multiverse. Taylor Swift is. I don't want to. I don't want to diminish her talent because I saw her in. Um, uh, it was like the sort of Jane Austen inspired original. Oh yeah, Mr. Malcolm's List. Yeah, which I loved, and she was a delight in that. So I think I didn't. I was making a joke. Okay, okay. For the reference, I don't know. I don't know how that introduction happened. Um, when they met, whatever. I'm happy she's in this movie because I liked her too. But I guess to get into the plot of it all, <laughs> um, for people who are listening who are like, what's happening? Um, yeah, like you said, her character is a Cree. No, she's a scroll. She's a, a oh, Cree and I the green guy. I can't even begin to get into the this. The scroll are the green guys, shapeshifters. Anyways, she's like from the original planet that Captain Marvel was kidnapped to and like was teamed up with or whatever. The the yeah, whatever. Yeah, in Anyways, the original the movie, <laughs> Captain Marvel thought that Captain I think Captain Marvel's a Cree. And she thought that that the scroll was No, she's were bad. a human who was kidnapped by the Cree. Okay, when whatever. She accidentally she's on Team Cree. Yeah. She thinks that the Skrull are bad, but yeah. it turns out Annette Benning, who's like the head of the Kree and is an AI, is actually the bad one. Yeah. And the Skrull are good. <laughs> but so then when Brie Larson descri- destroys uh Annette Benning AI, she actually sort of screws over her the Kree planet. And so now the new villain is this Kree woman who is trying to get resources back for the Kree people by stealing them from planets that Captain Marvel has a connection to because Captain Marvel's the one who screwed over the Kree planet. Yeah, so it's sort of revenge, sort of, you know, interesting geopolitical conversations to be had, but she goes to the Kree colony on this gorgeous little planet and is like, I'm going to take your atmosphere. And you're like, damn, that's cold. Uh commits a light genocide there um and brie i mean captain marvel is able to rescue some of the kree and send them to live with the also uh oh with hot lesbian yeah uh tessa (laughs) thompson and they definitely had some sexual tension yeah yeah were you not i mean tessa thompson has sexual tension with literally everyone well i mean yes but i'm like 
Tessa Tom like Tessa Thompson's character and Captain Marvel have definitely like had sex. There's some hints there, yeah. There's some flexibility there. <laughs> There's some Disney games. There's some vibes. lesbian <laughs> romance. Yeah. But so it's implied they get to go live in New What is that? Valhalla or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And uh, from Thor um, Love and Thunder. Happy for them. Um, and then the, the, so at this point, the three have realized that they're being like, you know, uh, interchanged, like, you know, their, their powers aren't reliable and they all end up on this spaceship and they decide that they need to go and intercept, um, Dan Barr before her next planet, which is at this water world, which is probably one of the most strange sequences to ever happen in a Marvel movie. Oh my movie. gosh. I loved every <laughs> second of it. But they go to this planet where the only way to communicate is through music. They have to sing in order and so to it's a understand musical. them. So it's a musical but moment. Somehow, yeah. But somehow Captain Marvel is like their princess, which yeah, is never yeah, really like, quite fully explained. But she's like, explained. but she's, she's in, married, married to the, to the And she so it it's like just this like ridiculous somehow. like song and dance number. I could have used Ugh, more. So I could have used... I could have yeah, used, I could this have goes more. back to what I was saying on Tuesday is that musicals aren't hitting as hard anymore. Like the lyrics aren't giving as much as they could. I I would have welcomed a little bit more because it definitely felt like it was written by someone who's never written a song before and was like, uh, let's sing about what we're doing, which works, but I think could have been funnier. I think it could have been extended. I also feel like while this was the stronger moment for me and like a reminder of how fun and quirky, you know, movies about and like numerable amount of possibilities and worlds and universes there could be should be like this was fun it was like creative it was interesting it was weird it was it was reminiscent of like some of the more fun set pieces on like guardians or these space travel movies where you get to you get to be out there because anything is possible. Um, but it also was like probably the cheapest looking set I've seen. <laughs> oh on yeah. A Marvel uh, you know, soundstage in a while. It was giving um it was giving the Little Mermaid yes, exactly. live action remake. I was like, where... oh, this is the Aladdin set. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could tell that that they were not getting the same budget that Wakanda got yeah. for <laughs> Uh, the Black Panther sequel. Yeah, like exactly. this was looking a little scrimpy. It was an SNL skit, but it was funny and also kind of like over quicker than I would have imagined. The, the, the logic wasn't there. That's where the story felt a little weak because they're like, I'm here to save you. But actually they did a really bad job of it, which obviously had to happen for story, but they also didn't like revisit it ever. Like I'm like, did all those people die? Like did Captain Marvel's husband just you know, die well, they, like, or are took they living water? in a sad? Yeah, they took but all then, the water. But, but then, it, but it was confusing as to how much water they took because it was I guess like that's true. 90% of the planet was water Yeah, and <laughs> it didn't look like they were siphoning up that much. So that's I was true. like, they just are, needed one ocean. <laughs> yeah, like are they just like less? But then as we know from life on Earth, you know, mm. a, a little bit of water will throw yeah. everything off um i know i feel like they could have i kept waiting for them to go back and like check on them or like explain what happened or like have captain marvel like 
yeah, FaceTime I, him or something. <laughs> I really wanted what I was hoping for was that the like end credit sequence was yes. going to be sort of like a Jai Ho esque uh, <laughs> moment where there where everybody's back there like doing some you know big yeah. ridiculous song and dance number together. That would have been um, good. which didn't happen, but yeah. would have been incredible because that was a distracting final moment. Is like I'm worried about those singers. Like, are they okay? Like, I wish because you get to see the Cree like end up. You know, they're dehomed and that's sad, but at least they're like given the somewhere scroll. to go. They're they're saved. Whereas it's felt sort of like, oops, that didn't go well and it's just like <laughs> erased from our memory. Um, but yeah, the scroll, I guess. The scroll. Um But, but, anyways, but then we get to on. the best scene of yeah. the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, okay. Which is the well, the so after she, after the bad guy steals the water, then it, we figure out that she's gonna try to steal the sun from yeah. Earth, yeah. and so she goes to Earth and or she yeah she goes to Earth and Nick Fury and for whatever reason and also Monica Rambo have been like on this giant space station kind of thing, yeah. um and so that's where Ms. Marvel's family, family is for some reason. yes yes. <laughs> Yeah. And so they're up there. And and if you remember from the last movie, I guess I I don't even know how she gets this, but Captain Marvel has this cat that looks like a cat, but actually like is some tentacle creature that can sort of like open its mouth and suck in all kinds of things that doesn't really like work with how space works, you know, and mass or whatever, but can like like hold all kinds of things in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The Mary Poppins bag, but a, but of a cat, but a cat. (laughs) And so, yes. And so they, and so this cat is also like running around the space station with Nick Fury. And for whatever reason, they have to evacuate the space station because the bad guy's coming and the the things are shutting down and whatever. And they only have a certain number of escape pods. So how are they going to do this? And they realize that the cat, Goose, has actually given birth to like dozens of other of these cat creatures. And so what they're going to do is have the cats swallow up the entire crew because that'll like save space then they can just put the cats in the escape pod and when they get back to earth the cats can throw up all of the humans that were on the space station and so it's this hysterical scene where Kamala's family and Nick Fury are running around the spaceship with these cats and the cat's tentacles are like grabbing these horrified space station workers and the entire time Barbara Streisand singing memory from the musical cats (laughs) is playing over the soundtrack and it was just like the most bonkers ridiculous stupid scene but (laughs) so funny and it just worked so well and i loved every second of it i was like this is amazing there's like a alert over the sound system that's like stop running and let the cats eat you yes (laughs) and And these people are like no and in the background it's like memory Uh, no, it was good. It was a fun idea and cleverly executed and like, you know, all these little, you're hurt, literally hurting cats. And it's, it, it was funny. I, yeah, it, it's definitely like one of those movies where it like doesn't necessarily, you know, it, it's not winning awards for its, um, like, no, and it's work got per bad se, reviews, like I think, <laughs> but I think that's yeah. partially it's because having fun. like, yeah, it's like, it's not. 
like the Marvel Marvel people, I feel like are not going to like this. But if you're just like here for a good time, then it's a good movie. I Yeah, think. it's definitely like an like it reminds me a lot of the vibes of the first Guardians where it's like no one expected it to be good. And while Guardians took itself probably a little more seriously and like really was focused on making a you know, it's an origin story. So you get a lot of background, a lot of character work, whatever. I think it had the same energy where it sort of was like balls to the walls, like let's just do what we can. And while it seems like Nia Costa had probably a tighter leash in what she was able to do, like she admitted that, you know, the storyboarding was difficult because they kept changing like what was being released before, what was being released after, when they were being released. So she could she was limited in what pieces she was able to play with because some of what she started with ended up being pushed back. So she had to scrap that, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it seems like she was like, you know what, let's just have fun. And I think comparing it to something like Eternals or something like Black Panther 2, those were weighted down with a lot heavier, um, you know, missions or mantles. Um, whereas this was sort of like, the little movie that could like no one really needed it to do anything. It didn't need to introduce the villain like quantum medium. It didn't need to become this like nostalgia packed threesome, like <laughs> no way home. And I think it was better served for it. Like the short runtime, the focus on humor and heart Rather than like, does this totally make sense? No. Where did they get their costumes? I don't know. Like what happened with that like death sequence with Danbar? IDK. Why is Monica Rambo now stuck in a different, you know, parallel universe that can't be accessed even though we've seen different universes accessed many a time? I don't know. But it was great. It was fine. It was fun. It was a solid, a solid six out of 10 for me overall. Yeah, I feel like if you, like, if I had tried to go in the weeds too much and actually, like, decipher what was happening on some of these yeah. levels, like, does it hold up to scrutiny? I don't know. Yeah. But, like, do any of these movies hold up to scrutiny? Right. Like, that's the, that I feel like is the question. Um, yeah. Because I've and... seen reviews that are like, oh, my gosh, this villain is so lame. And it's like, what are we judging this against? Like, are you so, like, blinded by a six film hinting towards your big baddie that was purple man like then sure there's not a lot of character here but but like if you're looking at these individual villains like iron man's first or second or third villain um the first villain in guardians like i feel like this villain is doing what she needs to like she's interesting enough she has a mission and she's trying to achieve it like I really don't the nitpicking is something that confuses me because I feel like the Marvel universe has been more uneven than people tend to remember um because it had such big like chapter closers like Avengers and like Infinity War slash Endgame but in the midst of that there were movies that were doing just okay or doing great and I feel like this movie similarly hits like a necessary step in Marvel's downfall, which is like, you know what? Let's just like take a beat and remember what can be fun about these superhero movies and just enjoy a simple drama free, you know, not needing a million different things to make sense of this 
experience. And so it's like, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was great. I think that people, yeah, like it's not going to do well. I mean, it's done poorly in the box office. I think it's just going to continue to do worse. I think the critical response has also been not great, um, especially from the like fanboy energy. Um, yeah. The next up is Miss Ms. Webb, Mrs. Webb. The um, what? there's like a Dakota Johnson, like Spider Man spinoff that's coming out in like February. Yes. What? <laughs> and that's the next. I'm pretty sure that's the next MCU movie. I mean, I believe you. I I trust you did your homework more than I have, but I'm just surprised, Ms. Web, unless maybe because it's Spider Man, it's not. Um, it's like a Sony thing. Well, is it like a Sony thing? I don't know. I I know Madame this movie. What is this called? Yeah, Madam Web. This movie's like mid and final credit scenes were, um, Kamala Khan, uh, visits, Hawkeye's, teen sidekick. Um, oh, okay. You know what? This is not <laughs> a Marvel movie. It's just a Sony movie. Oh, I the see. Dakota Johnson, Sydney Sweeney Spider-Man movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never heard of it. But I guess it does tie into uh, the Far From Home movies somehow. Yeah. So I don't understand how that's going to work. But anyways, okay. Yeah, yeah. There were two mid-credit scenes. One was with the Hawkeye girl, and the other one was an X-Men thing. Yes, which my theater lit up about. And I think that's been like, that I think is going to be Marvel's saving grace is getting back to something that has the nostalgia factor. Um, Like everyone's like, oh, I miss Iron Man. Like, But I think the ability, you know, they bought whatever it was, Fox. And so now they have access to the X-Men and the four fantastic four. fantastic four <laughs> I yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do um there's but also I think Deadpool oh yeah Deadpool 3 there there's a lot of excitement for and um, that has Hugh Jackman as the Wolverine in it too. yeah yeah and the rumor is Taylor Swift makes a cameo so that one will probably do a lot better performance wise for sure um but yeah, I mean maybe she'll get hit by a car again. Maybe she will. She'll get another chance. Um Yeah, I don't know if this will be the most memorable Marvel movie to ever Marvel, but I enjoyed it and I think it took the best pieces of Marvel Cinematic Universe and Captain Marvel herself and made it a much more approachable, enjoyable, fun time that happened to highlight some really great performances, especially with Kamala Khan, who I, I just adore. I think she's a lot of fun. And this is her yeah. first role. So it's like exciting to see her hold her own um, and kind of get the, even the people who hate the movie are like, well, she was good. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see where that actress goes like in yeah. real life. It, it'll be interesting because we're going from a very short movie this week to a very long movie next week with the... <sighs> New Hunger Games uh, film. Will this be the creator round two where Shelby has to watch the movie in two different settings? We'll see. Yes, 
That was, to be fair, Killers of the Flower Moon. And if you were, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> and but if you were, um, uh, if you were waiting for a musical, guess what? The new Hunger Games is in fact a musical. There's like oh six different folky numbers sung by Lucy Gray Beard. So. Lucy Gray Beard, that little minx. <laughs> Our baby, she's back. Uh, well, thanks for listening to this. If you haven't seen the Marvels, go watch it. Um, <laughs> they or really not, need whatever. Help. Who cares? Um, they're having a terrible time at the box office. Only like eighty. There's million other dollars. movies you should go support. <laughs> um, and yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Bye.